Movie Hour, Episode 78, April 9th, 2010. Warning, the following may contain movie plot spoilers and swearing. Hello one and all and welcome to the Martin Sheen Fresh and Clean Movie Hour. We are on the road podcasting from Boulder, Colorado, of all places. Fortunately, my Michigan friends haven't forgot about me. James and Jeff are still here and ready to roll. You guys reading me out there? Uh, yeah, you seem to be working. Can you hear me? Actually, bad news, I did forget about you, but you <laughs> called me and told me to do the podcast. So, Yeah, we're following our, our earliest podcast ever with one of our latest, I think, uh, well... It's it's two hours earlier here, but you guys are rocking at eleven o'clock at the studio. I'm sure uh, the interns didn't mind you waking up, kicking them, uh, kicking them awake at the studio. Mostly my fault. <laughs> mostly, mostly, but we're here, and that's the important thing. Um, what's what's uh, also important is the final four is finally over. Uh, I would like to regretfully mention that state did not win. But uh, for anyone that saw the Duke and Butler game, it was pretty intense. I don't know. Uh, did you guys catch any of it? Good basketball game. I caught it on the accident. By, by, oh, what is this? Is this basketball? Why is that? <laughs> that happens to me a lot. My eyes get just like fixed on something for like an hour, hour and a half, and then I'm like, ah, oh, how'd that happen? Right, yeah, right. I, oh, I, I tried to record something at like 11.30, and the very end of the game was over the recording. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll watch this. <laughs> cool. That the game was intense, for sure. It was, been, uh, it was interesting. Uh, anyhow. Um, like I mentioned, I'm actually in Boulder Machine right State now. Michigan State got robbed, by the way. Robbed. On I Saturday. actually, I had to watch, I had to listen to it on AM radio, and we were, and part of the story was, uh, the reason I'm out here is because I was helping my, uh, um, my sister and brother-in-law. They bought an RV out of state, and they needed to drive it across country. So I helped, I was there helping my brother-in-law drive across country. And the AM radio station, which is the only one that had the game on, was working but every time you accelerated in the RV, it would get it would get all fuzzy and broken up. So we had to like coast at important parts of the game where we <laughs> wanted to listen to it. It was awesome. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, we didn't win, but uh, couldn't yeah. divert power from the radio. I had to keep it on. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a fantastic trip thus far, and I'm happy we were able to to meet up to do the podcast. And uh, Jeff just got you just got back from New York. Did you end up watching the game at the bar like you like you said you would? Uh, or no, no, I went over to um, a, a Big Ten friendly apartment and watched it on a uh, projection screen with some uh, with some Big Ten friendly type people and actually a couple of Michigan State alum. So it was it was a pretty good time. Um, there were there was much swearing and drinking to be had. It was sort of funny. We did the urban version of like a um, college party. They had in this apartment in. Basically, like Soho, um, in this apartment, they had um, they they had a bags thing set up. It was like a miniature version, but with you know less space. Right. It was, it, it was, this was, it was inside. Pretty, this was inside. In, yeah, yeah. In on the on the fourth floor of uh, this guy's apartment. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, my god! They, they were playing cor- they were playing cornhole. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Still drinking. Still drinking. Awesome. Hey, well, me too. Huh? I'm happier. I'm happier back, Jeff. Happy you're feeling better because now we don't have to hear you coughing constantly. Um, yeah, I'm really sorry that I got sick. Yeah. <laughs> is this is it too soon to make the Obamacare jokes or is this? Uh, <laughs> um, Thank God that. he was there. We'll get to, uh, get to, uh, I would still uh, so. Moving on to uh, what we're going to talk about, movies per usual. Uh, I caught caught a few movies this week. Um, 
Can't wait to talk about them. But first, our first feature of the day: Holly Hunter's Hollywood Hoopla. Couple couple of news news topics here. We'll start we'll start with a decent one. Uh, Christian Bale is trying to smooth things over with America by applying for U.S. citizenship. No word yet on whether or not he's applying under the name Patrick Bateman. How do you guys feel about this? What do you think? Sounds like the prophecy is coming true. The prophecy? Yeah, American What's psycho. The <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think. Uh, I didn't think. That. I put the Patrick he's, Bateman joke in there. He's already got the it. psycho part down, and now he's just trying to become American. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a U.S. citizen. I should get to vote on this. We should be able to vote on. You people. know what? If I yeah, if we get to vote on people, <laughs> well, there are probably about I don't know a hundred thousand to a million, maybe ten million people that I would vote out before Christian Bale. Um, is, like people that are already citizens, but it's like a great <laughs> idea for like a website. That's a great idea. It's a great idea for a reality TV show. <laughs> oh man! Oh, next topic on Hollywood. Exiled. Exiled. <laughs> next topic. Sorry, you're off the island. <laughs> actor, actor, actor turned White House aide Cal Penn is leaving the White House for a comeback to Hollywood. Filming is in the works for the third installment of the Harold and Kumar saga, and I'm sure it will be just as epic as the others. Yeah, well, at least somebody in that White House doesn't like socialized medicine. <laughs> Standing up the... <laughs> he didn't last like very long. Uh, I, don't think I know. He was well, there for yeah, a year. <laughs> Get fired much? All of a sudden, the other Harold and Kumar movie comes up, and you just can't pass that gem up. Maybe he'll, win, he'll finally win the Oscar for this one. Yeah. Right, right. And this is supposed to be a Harold and Kumar Christmas movie, right? So it's it's a... This is like a triple... Triple sided sword, double edged sword thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and hear the story about how he sucked at being the aide and that's why he left. Yeah. That will be great. As, uh, as is, nobody really gets fired in Washington, D.C., they just resign and go back to their old job. Sure. Yeah. And um, his and old job. For those curious, I'm trying to remember, it was, uh, oh yeah, he was director of public engagement, was his. Uh, was his role there? Just, just let you guys know. Let's see if he does any better. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> he scheduled uh, the entire White House to go see his movie. <laughs> right. Good news for fans looking forward to Piranha 3D, aka everyone. It's uh, every- <laughs> <laughs> it's everything you expect it will be. There will be gore, there will be senseless violence, and there will be Kelly Brooks boobs, all in the blessed format that is 3D cinema. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Who is Kelly Brooks? Um, yeah, I don't really know. I'm trying to drink beer here. She's British. I know that. She's British. Oh, it's even better. Does she have an accent in this, too? I don't know. Well, hopefully she will get a few words out before she gets chewed up by a piranha, but you never know. I love how how excited this director is in the article. I mean, his two quotes are, her boobs will be coming right out of the screen, and (laughs) there are a lot of 3D boobs. That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> just, he is excited he's like, about this. Like a real, real. He, he seems like a like a Scorsese or you know, <laughs> an artiste. Yeah, I wonder if he's just. I wonder if he's just pulling one over on us. Maybe he's lying. Maybe this is just some kind of market scheme. Maybe there's nothing like that in the movie. <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't think so. Not with this chick in there. That's oh, a nice place. I'm in. Last. Last but not least on the Holly Hunters, Hollywood Hoopla, uh, actor Sheila LaBeouf declared that he is giving up alcohol because he can't handle himself while under the influence. However, LaBeouf never said anything about giving up alcohol permanently, which is textbook addict behavior. With more insight on the situation, let's go to our correspondent on the street, Jeff. Jeff, what's the name? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what the issue is here. Hold on, hold on just a sec. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, I, I understand where he's coming from. Sometimes it's difficult. I'm pre- I mean, you know, Sheila Booth, booze. Yeah, it's sweet. Well, you've been in the position before, Jeff. Uh, you should be able to speak from experience. Is it hard uh, controlling yourself when you're under the influence? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I just love. There's a there's a a, a pull quote from the article. Uh, drinking is shitty for me. I don't know how to compose myself. I don't know how to drink like a gentleman. When I drink, I get crazy. I've never had a beer because I like the taste of beer. I always had a beer to get fucked up. Sounds like somebody doesn't know why to drink. Not not how to drink or how to compose, but why to drink. Like, nobody nobody drinks to become a gentleman, Shia. Yeah. Like, I, I can, like, like, What's the appropriate drink for a gentleman? Like a mint julep or something? Yeah. Know. <laughs> mint julep. Rusty nail, maybe. No, mint julep's the appropriate drink for a racist. Uh, <laughs> rusty nail. Rusty nail is the appropriate drink for a gentleman, but it's, it's not why you drink. Ridiculous. Idiot. Sucks at acting. Sucks at drinking. What else? Yeah, horrible. He's drinking the beer and thinking, what's my motivation here? Right, exactly. Oh, I want to be a gentleman. I should get fucked up. Like, that's just how it works. It's... Right, right. Anyhow, uh, let's let's move on from the Holly Hunters Iowa Hoopla to our next feature, the, the movie reviews. The movie reviews. Everyone loves them. I love them. That's why I'm here. Uh, I actually caught, I caught a couple things, but nothing new and nothing new to review. But I did watch District 9, finally. Um, it sounds like I might actually be seeing... I know we promised to watch this. We made like a pinky swear or something, but I might be seeing Clash of the Titans while I'm out here tomorrow. So, Jeff... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I told you, I don't give a shit about Clash of the Titans. I want to see Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Uh, anyhow, I saw District 9, and sort of by happenstance, uh, at my sisters Michelle's and Dan's, they uh, they had it on Netflix. Go Netflix, ching. Um And it actually, uh, Jeff's previous review on it was pretty pretty, uh, pretty much nailed it. I, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the format they did it in where it's sort of like a pseudo-documentary looking back on the events, and they unfold. Um, the documentary sort of unfolds chronologically as you're watching the movie. And they do a good job of not... There's At points, you sort of feel like it's just destroying... You can't follow it. Like, the flow sort of broken up by the documentary, and you're not getting a sense of what's really going on. But then... I think they really did find pace after, like, 15 minutes in. Like, I think they sort of drill you with it for 15 minutes and then sort of let you... Um, I don't know. Breathe would be would be the term I'd throw out, but uh, yeah, very good. I thought the acting was very good. Was was very good, but um, the aliens also, as Jeff mentioned, weren't overdone. They like that was. I don't know if they spent extra to make it look that way, where it was just not over CGI feel. Like everything was. I think the sunlight on all the creatures looked really good. Maybe that's why it just seemed more real than usual. But. Um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic, and uh, I know it's been uh, reviewed already, but yeah, I I, uh, I would uh, I'm not gonna throw the seal of approval. Oh man, this is tough. Do I want to do? I I don't know if I can throw the seal of approval on things while You're I'm gonna say fantastic, but not the seal. Yeah, I know, I know. You're right. Seal approval. I'm putting it on there. I'm putting it on there. Jeff, you win. Uh, All right, thanks. Go, go I'm, I'm really glad you like this movie because I I, I um I haven't seen it since uh, I saw it in the theater, but I was really really impressed with the. Uh, 
the, the, just in general, I thought it was a great movie. I, I think everything they attempted to do, they accomplished very well. Right. Yeah, the story was also was also pretty good. And I do, I think you mentioned this, but I, I would agree that I've never seen a movie that's left left a more open ended. Like, there's definitely going to be a sequel kind of feel than this than this movie. There could be, anyways, if they uh, wanted to. Anyhow, um, that's all I had. Uh, James or Jeff, you want to go next? Uh, sure. I guess I'll go next. Um... I saw uh, um, the uh, Pineapple Express 2008. Uh, it's about Seth Rogen. Uh, he's a pothead, um, and it's his, about Seth Rogen. His, yeah, he's really just playing his usual his, his usual uh, <laughs> character. Um, and James Franco is his uh, drug dealer. And uh, basically, what happens is Seth Rogen accidentally witnesses a murder by the the pot supplier, like that big head honcho played by Gary Cole, and. Uh, he finds out that uh, the murder has been witnessed by these two guys. So Rogan and Franco have to go on the run from uh, from Gary Cole and, and his band of uh, criminals. Um, hijinks ensue, and that's the whole movie. It's uh, there, there's a slew of side roles in here. Gary Cole, like I said, Rosie Perez is basically an afterthought. Uh, Craig Robinson, Ed Begley Jr., Nor Dunn, Danny McBride. Um, no one's particularly very good in it. Uh, the comedy's not all that great. There's a couple of music. Danny McBride's pretty good in it. Yeah, Danny he's all right. pretty good in it. I'm not a huge McBride fan, Sorry. but but he tried his ass off. I'll give him that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's there's a couple of amusing parts, but most, I mean, overall, it's kind of dumb, and I, I wouldn't bother seeing it. I, Seth Rogen wrote it too, so I was kind of bummed that uh, he had a hand in the the script and all that. Not real impressed. For those that don't know, Gary Cole is Lumberg, so uh, I'm surprised that. Lumberg. So, yeah, he wasn't Lumberg. very good in it, actually. That's upsetting. Uh, right, so let's not let's not waste any more time on that upset. Yeah, there were a couple... I, I remember seeing that movie. There were a couple of laugh-out-loud moments, but it's definitely pothead humor. It's not not fantastic. Yeah, and um, your boy, uh, Ken, whatever his last name is, was in it in a very, very John. reserved role. Yeah. Not, not, not much good. screen time for him. <laughs> Jeff? All right. I, I, I have a review. I went to the uh, theater and saw um, a movie uh, called Greenberg, um, starring Ben Stiller and directed and written by Noah Baumbach. And uh, actually, Jennifer Jason Lee was a co-writer um, for the story, not for the screenplay. Interesting story, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but Noah Baumbach is, uh, is is a man who uh, who I respect quite a bit in in Hollywood. He uh, he wrote and directed The Squid and the Whale. He co-wrote with Wes Anderson um, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. He wrote a movie called Kicking. Uh, wrote and directed a movie called Kicking and Screaming. I like quite a bit. And the Screamer movie was okay. Um, yeah. Um, quite disappointed actually. I was really really hoping for something great. Um, <clears throat> the two main characters are played by Greta Gerwig um, uh, and Ben Stiller, as I m- mentioned. Ben Stiller, definitely the main character, the titular role, uh, Greenberg. And he, he plays like a, a very, an extremely neurotic, like he just got released from a, a psychiatric uh, ward um, guy. And he's, he, he's living, he's like house-sitting for his brother, basically, in California. And... Um, it's got some interesting moments and some kind of clever and funny dialogue, but overall, Greta Gerwig, who plays her character very well, but her character is so 
unlovable in in any way like it, it that it's it, it makes it makes the movie <clears throat> while the characters are very vivid the interactions between them don't seem to make a whole lot of sense um and so for a, a character driven movie this this that's kind of a death now i think and so it was it was okay um definitely if if you're a fan of uh like dry comedy this is better than most things you'll see but it was disappointing for me because i had such high expectations for noah bombback what'd you think of what uh, I... ben stiller yeah i was curious this, also this is like worlds um, colliding you know, for you right well you know i mean I, I ben stiller i think has the capability to be pretty good i um in certain roles i don't I didn't have a problem with him at all, actually. I think I think he. I don't, I'm not going to say like Oscar worthy or anything, but I think he played his role quite well. I, um, I honestly, I don't have anybody to blame for this, but Noah Baumbach and Jennifer Jason Lee. Right. It, it's it, the the movie was pretty well done. Like the it the pacing was fine. It moved along pretty well. It, it did get a little bit, um, maybe a little bit boring at times, but that that you know that that happens in these types of movies. It, but uh. The the issue wasn't with any of the acting at all. I I cannot stick Ben Stiller with this. It was it was the the writing the the story the story faltered. Oh man, that's ro- that's, that's that's hard a for you to scathing say. Scathing review, scathing review. Yeah, that must come. I'm gonna tell you, I didn't mean to be scathing. It's 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 okay, and uh, but I had very high expectations for it. Right, right. Oh man, that's that hurts. I don't know if yeah, I don't know if I was ever gonna actually amazing in it. And somebody can help me out with this guy named Reese Efans, I believe his name is I F A N S. Yeah, what do I recognize him from? Um, he's in a bunch of stuff. You ever see Notting Hill? (laughs) Pirate Radio, uh, The Replacements. Um, I haven't seen. I, I feel like I recognize him from trailers. It must be. He was great in this. He plays Ben Stiller's old friend. Um, part of the like subplot is that Ben Stiller, um, maybe twenty years prior to like present day, was in this band, and Ben Stiller was sort of like the lead singer of the band, I guess, and maybe main songwriter. And they had an opportunity to uh, sign a record deal and didn't. It sort of like haunted a lot of his friendships uh, since then. And uh, he plays somebody that was in that band and, and Ben Stiller's kind of like good friend. And it, it, he is excellent in it. Um, but he yeah, seems to be pretty entertaining so, when he's in movies. So that's cool. He, he really, really did it for me. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, that, 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 that uh, the scathing green, I'm going to say scathing like 10 more times by the end of the episode. Um, the, the scathing Greenberg review will be, will be our last. And well, uh, it's, we'll, scathing. it's uh, not that bad. Like it's, it's, it's an okay movie. I don't want to shit all over it. I'm just saying I was disappointed because <laughs> I really like Noah Baumbach. Oh yeah. That's, yep. This is true. I do too. I do too, Jeff. That's why it's so tough. Hearing it from a friend, it just hurts. Uh, yeah. So I mentioned this to you guys before, obviously, because you guys are on the show. All the other people don't know about this because you guys are just, you guys are sheeple. You, you, you don't know. But, uh. Yeah, you have no idea what's going on <laughs> in our world. Um, yeah, we were, uh, I don't know what made me, what made this stick in my brain, uh, the topic for today. Uh, it might have been the full day of, like, traveling through Kansas, or maybe it's been discussing which princess was my favorite princess with my nieces, because, you know, it's, it's obvious which one, by the way. Uh, <laughs> of course it was. Anyway, anyways, I wanted to have a short discussion on movies or possibly scenes from movies that are fantastic in nature. Like the ones that stretch your mind a little bit or make you wonder what kind of drugs the director 
was on when when they uh, when they finished this thing up, and I couldn't think of many specific examples other than uh, some '80s movies. Um, I guess I'll bring up the, the first one that had come to my mind when I when I was talking about this. I think it was just all the all the Disney movie stuff that we're going through, and the whole just children can think of anything, and the world's just their their oyster, and they their they their brain has no limit in terms of imagination. So. The first thing that actually came to mind was the city of lost children in terms of just like fantastic, like something that sort of like stretched what our existence could be. Like we have these, um, for people that haven't seen it or people don't know about it, uh, the plot is a little bit like without dreams, you can't act normally or behave normally or sleep or even like die. Like I think the, there was a guy there, the antagonist in it is a guy that can't dream and he's really old. And he's pretty much just stealing kids and trying to get their dreams from them. And the idea that technology can actually affect that and whatnot. Anyhow, it's a very fantastic, like, dystopian, like, I guess it was almost like a pseudo um, urban, almost like a slums of London kind of feel while you're there. And it has uh, some combos with that, like, a fantastic existence and our current reality and what it could be. And I think it's a very good movie, and I think everyone should see it. But um, that was one of the movies that I think was very well thought out. And I don't know if it was, like, the director of cinematography or maybe – I'm not sure if it was from a book that the, the movie was made, but it was very good. And uh, But, yeah, I guess in, in the general scheme of things, what were some things that – or some at least things you looked for – when I started talking about, you know, let's try to find things that were fantastic in movies. I think setting was pretty important for me when I was thinking about this. And I actually had a lot of fun kind of going through this and trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about because it, it brought up a lot of cool memories from my childhood where I was right. wowed as a kid. Like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, these days it's, you know, not all that great, but like thinking back to like the old, like 1958 Sinbad movies with the stop motion, Rary or Ray Harryhausen uh, animation of the Cyclops or, you know, his Clash of the Titans <laughs> from 81 right. with Medusa and the Kraken and that kind of stuff I just loved as a kid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, besides, like, the creatures and stuff like that, I think a lot of it has to do with the setting. Like, thinking of another old one for me was Journey to the Center of Earth, the 1959 version, not the Brendan Fraser version, but where they actually go down. What? Yeah. Did you see the Brendan <laughs> They go Fraser down into the Earth. It's actually and... really good. <laughs> I did not. I expect great things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but just I mean, being down there and seeing like that kind of stuff world, as a kid was just awesome. And it really started, you know, jump-started my, uh, my fantasy-loving self. I hadn't, I have not seen either, unfortunately. Were, was the, the setting, like, is it supposed to be like they're in like a jungle world now that they've gone into the center of the earth? Or was it, um, was it? if I remember correctly, it changed a lot, like, depending on where they were. There was just like, it was almost like phases and stuff. But my favorite right. part was the very end when they escaped from the center of the earth. It's from a giant, like, eruption of volcano, like, lava style, and they get in like a giant shell and use it as an elevator and, like, get shot up through the volcano cone. It's great. <laughs> it's, Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and this was the kind of movie that had, like, the zoomed-in <laughs> version of, like, the lizard next to, like, the normal, 
you know, range of filming the actor, so it looked like the lizard was huge. That's that's the kind of monster awesome. action we're talking about. <laughs> Isn't that a great technique? There were a lot of movies that used that technique, like ah, huge lizard. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a goodie. It was a great one. Uh, right, right. So, Jeff, Jeff, what what did uh what came to your head? Not specifically just like a movie reference would be fine, or a scene, but what did you look for when I when I brought the topic up? Well, you know, as a child, I was basically kept in a basement and shown documentary films um, nonstop. <laughs> so it, the idea of fantasy was only really introduced to me after I went to college. And I, I, so I think about things like the, the, the never-ending story and labyrinth, um, just these, these right. bizarre, peculiar worlds, and usually it involves some sort of journey. And I think that has something to do with J.R.R. Tolkien. I think that's his kind of legacy is that any bizarre, any any fantasy has to do, like, do with, like, you have to go from here to here and you have to do this. And um, usually they wind up pretty cool. I mean, you can, you know, like you said, when you've got kind of like this, this, uh, this childish thing of I can make up anything. And what can, like, if I can make up anything... And, and why not? Like, why not a guy made out of rocks? Or why not, um, you know, David Bowie being a bad guy in a movie? And it's, it's, it can be pretty interesting. Um, and I, I'm, I've always been a little bit jealous of the people that can write those things. That they can just come up with these bizarre, outside of reality scenarios. And so I, I like this topic, although, to, I, all, all joking aside about the being locked in a basement, I, I really didn't watch a lot of these movies um, as a kid, and so I don't have sort of the background of it. Um, that And so I, I'm, I'm really actually interested to hear what you guys have to say and then make drunken comments about it. <laughs> I really was hoping you guys were going to do a lot more of the work on this one. Than, <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to try and shoulder some of the brunt, but I, I just... Uh, right. <laughs> No, I well, uh, I know Jim would be dying to talk about this, and I'm going to bring it up. But on the on the case of just inventing sort of weird shit and people, I can think of uh, odd things. I think Jim Henson is pretty high up there. On uh, uh, he's not completely off the hook bizarre, but whoever was anybody that was part of Dark Crystal and the creation process was probably a little fruity. And uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. First off, but um, the world they made in Dark Crystal, which is one I thought of. And by the way, Labyrinth is a perfect example. I'm happy you brought it up. Um, cause David, I haven't seen it. David Bowie just lends himself. <laughs> He's you know, Jim, actually, um, I, I'm dead serious about this. I, I haven't seen Labyrinth in, 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 in quite a long time. Um, and I, it's I'm not even Netflix, really sure I yeah. ever saw it. Um, I, I seem to have a bizarre memory of David Bowie. I would love to watch that movie with you at some point. I'm not sure if he was singing to me at my bed or if it was in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know so, anymore. Well, if I'm ready to pop that in at some time, I, I'll give you a call. No, you won't. But thank you. That's... But yeah, Dark Crystal is a <laughs> Dark Crystal is a great one. I mean, just so many great creatures in that thing, and some of them I don't even remember the name. I mean, what were the name of those really long legged rider things? I don't know what the hell those things were, but those things were awesome. They were actually they had a stupid name actually. Gelfling. It was like Stri- it was Striders or Gelfling. something. I think it was oh. Gelfling. <laughs> Not Gelfling, not Gelf- Skeksis. Gelfling. Uh, but, no, it wasn't, but it wasn't just, yeah, like, the creatures were cool, but they also, they made the planet, too, and, like, the Gelflings were supposed to be, you know, sort of like, uh, like, druid, feral folk, kind of, kids yeah. of the, kids of the forest kind of thing, and 
they designed every little plant, and you know, I guess that's something James Cameron did with the Avatar, and it's cool. Everything's awesome, but um, Jim Hans- Jim Henson deserves some credit, and I think just that and the Muppet movie, like any Muppet period, was sort of an interesting invention. I wouldn't call it fantastic, but um, yeah, I uh, I think uh, I think he, he merits some some discussion, and his movies are being. Uh, not completely remade, but relaunched. We got the Power of the Dark Crystal coming out in 2011, and uh, there's supposed to be a Fraggle Rock movie coming out. So yeah, uh, dance your cares away. Whoever's on Fraggle Rock must be crazy because whoever wrote it, anyways, he's a genius. He's amazing. Worries for another day. Let the music play. <laughs> Down in Fraggle Rock. I'm gonna have to find. I'm gonna have to find the or whoever edits this is gonna have to find the the music for Fraggle Rock because it's amazing. It's awesome. I think There's I actually, actually have the theme yeah, yeah. song on my computer. Uh, I'm positive, actually, that I do. Just, just we'll just man. have you record it, acapella style. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, I um, would have. It. You know what? Yeah, fine, uh, good. <laughs> you work on that. Give it to Carl, the intern, and have him give it to me. I'll edit it in. Um, actually, there's a, a section of musicals that fit in this these categories pretty well, and also date back to my childhood for this too is i mean with mary poppins being able to jump into sidewalks i always thought that was the coolest thing uh the original dr doolittle um with all the weird creatures they hunt down and uh find throughout their adventures you got wizard of oz with yellow road the monkeys munchkin land i was so in awe just by that simple color changing horse and you know in Wherever that Wizard was. Wizard Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Emerald City. That's a really good point, actually. Wizard of Oz is a great, great story. Interesting. I didn't really think about Which, that. Which, you know, brings us to the Return to Oz. Yeah, Return of Oz was fucked up. All I remember um, is being a kid and being scared. That's, I don't even, again, yeah. I don't even know if I watched I the, the whole thing. Man. Just remember scared. Right. Um, but to <laughs> uh, to go back... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the one, though, is probably my favorite out of all the musicals is uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That one's awesome. Just, you know, when you're a kid and you're seeing that, they're running around in, like, a whole land made out of candy. you got the disturbing Oompa Loompas, on the other hand. You know, gum that, you know, lets you have different meals, basically. This That was dreams come true right there. And Gene Wilder. And Gene Acting Wilder. Acting at his best. Yeah. I... This is one I can speak to. I had not thought about that, uh, the, the Willy Wonka, but that is that is a wonderful movie, and I watched that movie multiple, multiple times from childhood to adulthood. And that, that I guess it is a little fantastical, isn't it? You've got the uh, the, the candy factory and you know the, the candy ca- kind of candy heaven. It's wonderful as a child yeah. or or as a uh, very hungry, hungry adult. Hungry, hungry hippo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to bring up another uh, director slash creator producer kind of thing. Uh, Tim Burton uh, sort of seems to be a, big, a name that pops up a lot with with movies. Pretty and much known no to be the genre. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Like it's sort of hard to to pick ones that would probably be just strictly named as fantasy. But um, I, I don't know the way his brain works, but the pictures he puts in his movies and his animations are uh seem to be quite quite what we're looking for in this topic and the the few i wanted to mention um one which he didn't even direct and i've mentioned before i think i reviewed it was uh uh the nine movie which came out i think it was last year it might have been two years now i think it was last year and last year. 
909. Right. And the anime, like, he ended up just picking it out and producing it, and it was, yeah, you uh, made me, it was based uh, on... Yeah, go see that with you. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you see it with me? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you made me. Um, You, I didn't. I didn't see you running out of the theater, Jeff. I didn't see you running. Yeah, out of the theater. yeah. It's uh, you, 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 uh, you made me. Anyhow, it was a. Uh, if not a very, if not a, an interesting movie, the world it belonged, to, it was a part of, was pretty amazing. And again, it wasn't all Tim Burton's responsibility, and it wasn't. He shouldn't get all the credit, but um, that movie being like a dystopian future and humans are pretty much wiped off the planet, which actually I think they are completely wiped off the planet. Um, and how the future would look in that situation, albeit just um, uh, a possible future. It, it was, it's amazing. Also, um, more that he had to deal with. Big Fish was something I wanted to bring up, um, directed by him. There are some, like, they're not many, but there are some even creatures they bring in, like the fish they made, and the storyline, they put that in, it's almost like a fairy tale kind of, kind of situation. And, uh, fairy tale, I don't know what would fit in here if not fairy tales in, in the fantasy genre, and, um, it's, uh, that movie itself, like, the storytelling's great, but, um, they sort of have, like, you know, the, the Siamese twins, which is like two two people connected at the hip, and they do like a giant, and they have you um, and McGregor at, at his finest, and uh, a movie you guys should catch. But again, it's very like it's a very it's a movie that you can watch and sort of just sink into a different plane of existence for a little while, even though it's sort of loosely based on our world. Yeah, he does a really good job of all of his visuals in his movies. I mean, just even Beetlejuice, which is I guess a little bit more. I don't know. It's a little. It's a cross between fantasy and horror, I guess. Even though it's a comic horror, but I, but uh, I mean, just the stuff in there are just crazy. I mean, giant worms running around, things that they pulls out of the the underworld that like do his his bidding is just some of that stuff's right. crazy. The faces that the ghosts can make and just all that stuff is just. Really well done, I think. The voodoo head guy and all that. Yeah, like when he's waiting in line. To, yeah, to that, like that, that's a really set. great, yeah, the take a number scene where it's just all sorts of freakish, like, ghost-type things or, like, uh, supernatural. That's, I think I think you make a good point. Tim Burton is kind of the, like, I mean, I don't know about, I, I would say I'd put it on a different plane as something like uh, Willy Wonka or, the, or Labyrinth or something, but it, he definitely has got sort of the... Uh, the paranormal or the uh, the bizarre, um, the, uh, the the undead, the um, right, all these sleepy things. hollow, he, yeah, yeah, he, he's kind that. of he's kind of got that genre in in, in his pocket, yeah. and and he, I think I think the man has a, has a very good sense of uh, of how people's uh, how people's reactions to those sort of thing, and and really. Uh, Makes makes it enjoyable and and sort of takes you to the limit of this is so bizarre without taking you over it and I, I think that that's a good a, a good uh, a good trait to have. Yeah, uh, Alice in Wonderland, which I just saw recently, was I mean it had hints of that and I thought there was going to be a lot more to that. So that what I mean the movie was still good, but my expectations for a Tim Burton movie kind of he fell short of that just a little bit, which. But you know, overall, it's still a good movie. What was movie. the last Tim Burton movie though that hit those expectations for you? <sighs> that's a because for me, I think it must have been Big Fish. Um, yeah, that's probably a good call for me too. I wasn't really which I think was 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 an excellent uh, as far as what we're talking about. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But it, 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 did you have 
just going to say, and it wasn't one that was like entirely, you know, based on a fantasy world, which was nice. So I wasn't really expecting a ton from that one, but yet he delivered in spades, I think, and, and what they did show in the fantasy portions of that that film. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that was kind of the crux of the movie was that it, like, and what, what he did so well in that movie was the um the 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 juxtaposition of the fantasy versus the uh, versus somebody who's taking in the fantasy, you know, the, the son hearing these stories from his father and knowing that they're bullshit, but, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and like, it was sort of like a, almost like he put his viewer in the movie and, and then let you watch that play out. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And I, yeah, I think that, uh, I would have never thought to have Tim Burton direct that movie, but I think he was uniquely qualified to do it. Right. Yeah. There was, uh, there, we wanted to sort of, uh, I know we sort of argued about this a little bit, to, talking about animated movies, and I know Nine's animated, and um, we just sort of mentioned Corpse Bride and stuff, but were there any other, like, it seems like animation, one where you can actually just draw up every single piece of world that you want, would probably be the best for, for fantasy. Was there any specific ones that stuck out in your mind that you haven't brought up yet? Um, not movies, but I do want to mention uh, a person, actually. Smurfs? No, oh, okay. no. And I'm going to butcher his name, but I'll try it. Um, the director's name is Hayao Miyazaki, and he's done the movies like Kiki's Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, all those Japanese animation films. I've seen a couple of them. Jesus Christ. I, Greg, have you ever heard of any of these? <laughs> You've never yes, heard of them? I have, I have. Oh, yeah. yeah they, these are. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is on my Netflix as, as we speak. Yeah, have you seen I, it? I've, no? no, I've seen Spirited Away, and I forget the other one I saw. Actually, it might have been Howl's Moving Castle. But anyway, the movies are bizarre as all hell. The ones I've seen, so I'm assuming they all are, but they're entertaining as heck too. So I, I, I think he deserves some some uh, special mention, I guess, in the animation department. Scathing, scathing review. Uh, yeah, Jeff, did you have anything to say about? Um, animated wise. Yeah. Uh, in animation. Yeah. No. All right. Anyhow, I do actually. I'll Jeff, you you let that sink in. I'll bring up one that's not animated that I want to discuss. Was uh, oh well, uh, if they just open up the floodgates, <laughs> I've got plenty. Um, this is completely fantastic. There's no, there's nothing. I don't. This is no subgenre. It's a pure fantasy movie. Uh, Legend, which is sort of a, along the lines of Labyrinth in terms of just complete bizarreness. Um, another one I have to see. It's, it's. I don't even know. I don't even know how to start with it. Ridley Scott directed it first off, which is um, pretty much at the beginning of his career. He did Alien, then this, I think. Um, but Tom Cruise starring super young, Mia Sara starring super young, Tim Curry being <laughs> the devil. Uh, you can't get much much better at that than that. You have um, a couple of. Uh, I'm trying to be P- PC here. Is is it dwarves? Is it Midgets? Is it? Had, I don't know. Short people? I don't know. Anyhow, um, little people. Little people. <laughs> why do I have to? Be the one? Why do I have to? Be the one? Anyhow, um, you have a combination of that, and you have a combination of terrible dubbing, where they have a kid pretty much like have the deep, a deep scary voice and talking the entire time, and it's it's got just the weirdest soundtrack, and everything just seems like it's just a fade one shot into the next, and it it 
I guess it seems a little bit like a dream or a bad dream or some kind of acid trip, but it's, it's interesting. And, uh, yeah, if you're interested in a pretty, pretty pseudo decent night, uh, 80s movies, uh, check it out. And it's definitely fantastic. This is the reason I want to bring it up, but, um, Nobody's more interested in pseudo decent yeah. '80s movies than Mr. Greg Maloney, the host of this podcast. No doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. So what? So what? Uh, yeah, it's uh, right. I, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, my. Uh, I think my favorite. The last. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I was just going to say that. I mean, while you're speaking about acid trip, I think as far as fantasy, like. And just bizarre. I think that uh, Terry Gilliam did an amazing job with the book uh, in, in the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I obviously didn't write the book, but it, true. He, yeah. And and as far as taking like what is basically a drug fantasy and turning it into a movie, it, it he, if you haven't seen it, it's it, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty awesome look at. America's playground through the uh, through the lens of a lot of different drugs. So yeah, check that out. James, uh, uh, last, last comments. comments. Um, yeah, well, I mean, couple. I guess the first one being uh, uh, along the Terry Gilliam. I, I mean, he's another director that lends himself to the genre pretty well. I mean, you got uh, the Baron Munchausen movie, which I don't know much about, but I mean, the entire thing's a fantasy adventure, from what I understand. Um, you've got, uh, that new movie that just came out, the, the Parnassus one that I still yep. kind of want to see. And, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he seems, I mean, Brazil was pretty whacked out too, but yeah, he seems, uh, fit for this genre. But I was just going to say, I mean, my, my favorite subgenre of this is just like the, the classic, you know, dragons and magic and orc style, uh, fantasy movies. You know, you got Willow, you got the Lord of the Rings, um, even Princess Bride sits in there, Lady Hawk, and I mean, now you have oh, the Potters. Lady, Hawk? Lady Hawk's a 1985 film with uh, Matthew Broderick and uh, Rucker Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer. Really? Yeah, I don't believe in that. <laughs> and what's this about? Because uh, yeah, my end- basically Rucker Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer are cursed lovers, and one of them is a hawk during. I forget how it is. If it's during the daytime, and then the other one turns into wolf during night, but they never get to like be together. They're they're exactly well, I've seen this tw- movie. it's yes. Yeah, and... He walks the battle for Endor. It's just like that. It's the exact same story. <laughs> so basically, they're you know they never really get to see each other, and they're on twelve hour shifts in an animal form. And uh, Matthew Broderick plays a little pickpocket type yeah. thief guy that you know helps them break the curse. But yes, yeah, I mean stuff like that I've always loved and. I mean, there's great creatures in all the Lord of the Rings things. Probably the best of all, which is the Balrog, which I thought they did an excellent job with, with a lot of uh, expectation to, to deliver with. So, great movies. Right, but what the the big accomplishment, going back pretty much bookending this thing, is um, the setting in it is great, and it sort of brings you into that world, and I guess that brings us to the Avatar discussion, which I didn't really want to talk about, but... Uh, yeah, all fantastic, and it sort of pulls you into the creation that they've made, and, and I guess in that way they're fantastic. But yeah, uh, Jeff, I guess uh, you any last comments? You good? You uh, no, no, you? I was happy talking about fear and loathing for a second. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll let it die there. Uh, so yeah, I guess that brings us to our Parker Posey play along, our wrap up for the show. Um, Parker Posey play along last week was brought to you by myself. Uh, the question was. Uh, what movie had the most outstanding soundtrack? And 
again, when I said outstanding, I meant like in the literal sense, just a movie where uh, the sound stood out above uh, the on-screen visuals. Like it was just a main part of the movie, and it was something that was very tangible. A um, couple of good comments, and something that Jim mentioned also on the boards after uh, our user Dean brought it up about just how movies that use silence correctly um, amplifies the time when they actually have sound, and it points uh, you would notice when there is no sound when uh, when they do that. Um, I guess everything's so just um, thrown in your face, loud, blaring music. Whenever it gets turned off, it's sort of a uh, um, it's interesting and it's different. Um, yeah. That, anyhow, that opening credit scene of contact that I mentioned on the post just really struck me as a great example of that. Just I remember at the end of that montage of different broadcastings, they get to the farthest point and it's just dead silence in the theater, and they hold that for you know quite a while. And I just remember thinking like, well, that was pretty cool. I like that. So right, silence is powerful. Yeah. Silence is very powerful. Uh, the, the other thing I liked was Joshua's comment about just Rocky Four being a, a soundtrack, like pretty much being like a um, a soundtrack, to, not to his life, but you know, you you listen to it and you just it turns into just a montage of wanting to wanting to jam and run around like it's just rock, it's just Rocky music with Survivor going crazy and um, yeah, I've listened to my fair share of Survivor and it's uh, I don't know, it's it, it was a it was a funny funny comment and there was. Um, uh, one last one also I want to bring up. Sorry, uh, I thought this was actually going to be bring up by brought up by you during the podcast, James, was Star Trek movies when we when we brought it up. But you you, you pick Star Wars, your other love. It's okay. Uh, but the reason the reason it's in my head right now is actually upstairs at this house they have Wrath of Khan on Blu-ray, and I'm like, wow, I wonder what the sound on here sounds like when when uh, when uh, Khan, or Kirk's yelling Khan over and over again. But uh, haven't had to try it. Haven't had the ability to try it yet, but. You know, Anyhow, I, I yeah. rewatched. Uh, I got to rewatch a movie um, the other night, uh, last night, as a matter of fact, that uh, that we watched not too long ago called Waltz with Bashir, um, the uh, the movie, uh, the Israeli movie about the uh, war in the eighties with Lebanon. And I remember thinking this when we watched it, but more and more, just the sound in that movie, the soundtrack is amazing. The songs that they play are like really poignant, um, and the soundtrack, the way like the way that the sound works in that movie is just really 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 good and so i uh i yeah i'm gonna throw another plug for that movie because i get did you uh yeah you forced josh to watch it right what do you think he loved it cool cool at least he told Uh, me right because he knew probably what the consequences would be if he he didn't right uh but um no i I think he really liked it it's uh and i again of all the movies i think i've ever reviewed for this for this show i really think that that's the one that i that i'm the most fond of cool uh jeff this brings us to your parker posey so yes yes my my turn parker posey's play along um i got a i got a tough one um the movie that you think and film we can agree is a relatively new art form um, you know, I, I, we could, we could, uh, we say it's probably been around for just over a hundred years. I think, uh, if that even, um, just, you know, for motion, the motion picture. And the question I have for you guys and for, for our listeners is in a hundred years, what modern film and by modern, I mean, in the last 15, 20 years, do you think will withstand the test of time and be a classic on the, uh, you know, in the in the way that the Mona Lisa is a classic, or in the way that uh, in the way that um, 
you know, uh, Beethoven's Third Symphony, Sympathy, Symphony is a <laughs> is a is a classic. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 this, it, what what film do you think will transcend time um, and be uh, be considered uh, an absolute classic from the, the the common modern era? So you said like fifteen, twenty years? Is that what you said? Yeah, last fifteen, twenty years. I, again, you know, I mean, uh, if you get something that's twenty-two years old, then you know, fine, whatever. But uh, relatively modern film. Just checking to see if like the Star Wars is qualified, but those are pretty old. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go with Star Wars. I don't think Star Wars qualifies because I feel like that's that that that's a pretty obvious answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having a, actually a really difficult time uh, pinning down my answer. So, Greg, I need you to ask me a couple of questions. Right. Well, I don't. I was actually I had my answer locked and loaded actually, but <laughs> um, let's see. So, last fifteen or twenty years, and this is something that people are going to look back on and look at it. So, look at it as. Um, the best in its field, or it's something like this is an icon. It's something else, you know. Like this actually symbolizes something. It's not just a movie. It's this. Yes. <laughs> yes to the latter. <laughs> yes to both. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you right. know, I mean, the, the, for for the same reason that we look back on certain works of uh, you know different mediums of art. Or media of art, and uh, and 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 these are absolute classics. These are these are things that just don't they they, they won't die. Okay, yeah, I still have my answer. Yeah. Greg, what's your answer? Um, I'm gonna cheat, and I uh, I think one that's gonna pretty much be set as uh, not I don't know if it's Mona Lisa esque, but Something that will live on and be seen as a classic and be like revered as you know something special. Um, I'm actually going to go with Saving Private Ryan mainly just bastard. Damn it! Oh, that's so funny. I was going to say Schindler's List. Take Schindler's List. I'm going to take Saving Private Ryan. A lot of World War II going around. I think Schindler's List was 91 though, or something. It was a lot older, wasn't it? Damn it! Now I need some time. Uh, It's locked and loaded. Yeah, the reason, like the reason it's gonna work is because yeah, it's 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 not a documentary, but it's just like, and I don't want to say it romanticizes the, the the battles that these people went through, but um, it's a part of our history. Um, world. The other question is: Is this seen as something? I guess films are traditionally. U.S. based, so I'll, I'll say it from our perspective. It's not like India is going to be like, "Oh yeah, dude, Saving Private Ryan was great," but um, I think from our perspective, Saving Private Ryan being pseudo telling the history of our maybe our our greatest moment, possibly, and fantastic film in and of itself. Um, good acting, good story. It's it might sort of play play to like just plucking your heartstrings. It's a little little. Uh, um, a little obvious at times, but I think it was very well put together, and um, it's a touching film. Good answer. Good answer. Jim, do you have one, or, or should I actually have to divulge mine finally? Yeah, I think no, you should probably no, go, Jeff. Yeah, I'm you sorry. I, I, I'm, I definitely I'm, broke the mold and, and made Greg go first. Yeah. And thank you, Greg. I, I was having a very difficult time pinning one down, but I had I had several in my in my mind, and I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna land on. 
a movie I never talk about on this show, even though I love it. The Shawshank Redemption. Um, okay. It's That's a good answer too. It's just it, it, it it's uh I mean as far as like the you know like it's not high art by any stretch. It's it's a very well done movie. It, it it's it's it from from an uh, from an artistic standpoint, it aims someplace down the middle. It doesn't it doesn't aim to do anything spectacular or different, um, which is why I was I was re- I was really hoping to come up with something that I thought you know might might do something like that because I. I I you know I don't know I, I like that sometimes, but it's it's a story. It's uh, it's it's a story like the Count of Monte Cristo, or I mean, it's 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 a story that that is is uh, almost uh, like archetypical in in how in how common it is to the human spirit. It's 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 a story of the triumph of the human spirit, and it's one of my favorite, probably the best stories of. Uh, uh, one of the one of the best stories, anyway, of the triumph of the human spirit in film, and it it just does such a great job. And every time I watch that movie, when he finally escapes through the through the tunnel of shit, and he and the the, he, the, the rain comes down on him, it is it, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a gut wrenching moment, and it's it's a wonderful movie. It's fantastically entertaining, and um, the uh, again the human spirit of it is is what what takes you through it. So. I gave you enough time saying human spirit seven or eight times there, Greg. It's it's your turn. Scathing. Greg. Scathing. I'm sorry. I was going to say Jim, scathing. Jim that was awesome. <laughs> Dude, you should pick Avatar, Jim. Say Avatar. No, I'm not going to say Avatar. Say Avatar. Um, I'm actually going to go... I don't, know, I don't know if I'm bending the definition of this a little bit, but I'm going to go with something that has a little bit more cultural... Uh, cultural is not the real word. More like a progression of film. Kind of like a moment of moment and i'm gonna go with toy story it's the first pixar film it's kind of like the new animation frenzy of you know our time basically and it's not my favorite of the pixar movies by any means but since it was the first i i guess i'll go with that i really wanted to say you know saving prior ryan but that was taken right (laughs) right I think you have a good point. You know what? I think your answer is probably better than mine in terms of like possibility, because in in terms of animation, it was a pretty big jump. Yeah, which is why Avatar would be an answer, but I wouldn't want to say it. Yeah, my, my big problem with it is, is it's historic, I guess, from a certain point of view. But as far as the quality of the movie, that's that's the part I was teetering on. Right. I'd much rather Dude, say guy- like a you know a Monsters Inc or something, but. You yeah. just like hearing Mike, Mike Wazowski over and over again? Yeah. Mike Wazowski. Right, right. I think that's a great answer, well, Jim. So, yeah, I guess, Jeff, could you phrase it one more time and we'll Absolutely. take it to the boards? Um, the movie that in a hundred years will be looked back on um, as an absolute classic, as a uh, – and, and, I, and I actually, you know, I, I think that my – my build-up was really kind of poignant too about the uh, film being a relatively new medium. But um, right. uh, if, if you need me to just condense it, a movie that in a hundred years people will look back on and say that's an absolute classic. That's 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 an absolute uh, it's, it very like it that that's a classic. So yeah, awesome man. I uh, uh, again another great podcast, guys. You guys uh, for those listening, you can find the. Parker Posey at gungapit.com. Uh, you can answer it there. We'll bring bring up your answers on the board or answer on the show. Uh, always appreciate the answers. Please uh, keep them coming. James and Jeff uh, from Boulder, Colorado, thank you very much for your input. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. 
Drive safe. I'll see you guys later. Uh, take care, everyone. The Martin Sheen, Fresh and Clean Movie Hour.